Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The green Green peak Peak. with your host, Richard Zwicky. Welcome, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with the Green Peak. I'm uh, founder and CEO of Planet Global, as you know, and uh, very international focus. And today, it gives me great pleasure to bring Onto the show, Ross O'Brien, who's not just the founder and CEO of uh, Bonaventure Equity, but also the author of the first book about raising capital internationally for cannabis and looking at cannabis and medical cannabis as, a, as an economy and not a discrete industry on a state-by-state or country-by-country basis. And uh, that book is really going to very quickly become uh, a defining uh, perspective on the market with how it's evolving and the how capital gets raised, but also how people look at investing across the marketplace. Because as we've seen, Ross, you know, there's been a dramatic uh, shift in the way people are investing over the last year, but also we've gone from a very rapidly developing industry to one where people are beginning to understand that it's a puzzle that fits across borders. And how is that going to look not just this year, but in five years. And your book deals with, you know, a lot of the concept of how capital flow, but also how people have to look at the industry. Where do you see the big changes coming over the next year and 24 months? Well, terrific. Richard, thank you so much for inviting me today. I'm a big fan of uh, to your, your program and excited to have a conversation today. And I think you nailed it. Uh, in the description as being a puzzle. That's uh, absolutely how we think about it. And from our perspective, we took some time to get a proper lay of the land before as before we started writing checks through our investment fund. And subsequently, while I was, and you'd mentioned the book, while I was going through that process of writing the book and kind of establishing our platform, uh, a few things you know, became a, really a highlight for us. And one was is that you know, we don't think that traditional venture is the, the, the exact model that we certainly want to invest in. Uh, so it's our role to redefine the role of venture for cannabis. And so what that means for us is we've uh, adapted our legacy history of investing in, you know, healthcare and private companies for, you know, so for about 15 years and, and put it through the cannabis lens such that, that we think that there are, you know, unique ways to finance businesses in this space. And subsequently, we look very much at entrepreneurship and early stage companies. So to answer your question directly about the, the predictions, 
we're very bullish that we're going into a phase right now, regardless of what's happening in the capital markets, where there is just a wave of entrepreneurship. And it's those best-in-class entrepreneurs that will be resilient and resourceful and able to be adaptive um, that are going to build great companies. And that's uh, we're excited to be in the space at this moment in time. Yeah, and that's a you know that's an excellent point about the resiliency. Um, there's a lot of companies which you know, and ourselves included, we we did a fundraise last summer which was uh, a horrible time. We we had to do it. We ended up raising thirteen and a half million uh, into the company in July last year, and you know a lot of invest a lot of entrepreneurs uh, have to look at the you know from last year those. That capital raised is the last capital they could ever raise, and you have to start with that perspective, which people have had to do in other industries. But in cannabis, until early last year, people thought it was a you know money grew on a tree. How are yeah. you seeing the entrepreneurs change that you're you're running across and coming across? How how have they you know some are shell shocked, but how are they looking and how are they presenting differently? How are they talking about the business opportunity differently? And what do you see the next necessary changes? So I think there's just a, a general momentum uh, that, that's been happening for a number of years. And, you know, when, when we started looking at the space as investors, probably about four or five years ago, um, really actively thinking about it, you know, quite frankly, there just wasn't the sort of types of entrepreneurs that we were getting introduced to or, or engaging with that we had seen in other more mature sectors that we're used to investing in, like healthcare, for example. Um, that's changing significantly, and that's what encouraged us to drive full on into focusing uh, on the cannabis uh, sector as investors. Uh, but it was also a, the impetus for writing the writing the book, Richard. So um, it started because I really just wanted to give a tool and a resource to entrepreneurs that were uh, not used to having the types of conversations or didn't sort of have the muscle memory of coming from other sectors and in how to run a financing process. So. Uh, for for your example, um, you obviously ran a very sophisticated process and have, you know, a great uh, success story. Um, but there were a, the majority of investors were not like that, or entrepreneurs rather we were talking to were not like that, and just needed to you know get a little more fidelity around the conversation. And it was because of that that I started working on the book, and it sort of blossomed um, blossomed beyond just uh, being a a sort of financial textbook, but rather really identifying that. You know, coming at things through the the industry perspective was really a blockage uh, for the right conversations that we were looking to have. So that's when it came to light to us that cannabis is actually not a discrete industry. It's rather it's a global economy it's a, and it's a trend. It's not a cycle. And with that, there are sectors and, and within those sectors, there are industries. Um, but with that, that, that level setting, Richard, we were really able to say, OK, well, now you know, where are the sort of best in class companies? And like I said, the redefinition of venture for cannabis to us means, look, traditional venture is designed to finance disruption in mature markets. And that's not where we're at. So we're really looking for, you know, foundational businesses that need, you know, working capital. Uh, and I think it's the companies that are gaining traction and have realistic expectations, even during uh, a, a, you know, overheated market in the public arena had some realistic expectations about what it was going to take to finance their business and how to how to execute and those are the companies that we think are you know emerging pretty you know with pretty solid foundations at this point in time yeah and i think part of you know what if i were to reframe part of what you said just now 
you know, traditional venture capital is to fund, especially in technology, is to fund disruption. Yeah. Whereas in cannabis, you know, sure. I came out of the technology industry myself. And in that industry, I always had to explain to customers why they want to buy my product. In, in cannabis, we don't need to do that. It's how much product can we can the customer have because they want there is such a huge demand. But mm -hmm. the funding activity that's going into it today, the entrepreneur really has to frame their presentation from the perspective of, you know, how are we working to meet market demand with focus? And focus is a key term, I think, that a lot of people need to learn because there's, you know, it's such a huge industry with so many opportunities. A lot of people thought they could do it all. And in some place in the U.S., of course, you had to be vertical and try and do it all. But in, in reality, no industry develops that way. We really have to have focus and do something exceptionally well. And how do you address that in your book? So a couple of things. So I think you've, you've nailed one of the Achilles heels of what's happening in cannabis is that, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are excited. A lot of people are excited by the opportunity and therefore take on building two, three, four, five companies in parallel and, you know, or five or six different initiatives that are not always synergistic. And that's problematic in, in any arena, right? Um, so the book really focused in on just what are the core competencies of entrepreneurship as a baseline, sort of a foundation, and then layer in the nuances of cannabis, right? So you said it, you nailed, you nailed it when you said focus, right? It's entrepreneurs in any, any sector, it doesn't matter if they're cannabis, will always have limited resources, limited time, imperfect information, have to make quick decisions and have to, you know, will things into reality. That's just the the name of the game. And so in any mature sector, there are, you know, thousands of companies that are started and failed every year. It, we shouldn't expect it to be any different in, in cannabis just because there's, there's demand. Uh, I think the companies that are looking beyond just uh, band-aids or temporary fixes are the ones that are actually, you know, embracing operational discipline such that they're not chasing every opportunity. And with that focus are really claiming some, some really important market share. No, that's, a, that's a really, I mean, when we come back from the break, what I'd love to do is tackle a bit more about the limited resources pivots and willing to, sure. you know, willing to do the right things, but also willing things into reality. I think that's a, an exceptional uh, perspective to bring and to talk about. So coming back uh, Great. in just a couple of minutes with Ross O'Brien, uh, author of Cannabis Capital. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. 
Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. We're back with Ross O'Brien, uh, founder and CEO of Bonaventure Capital, which is a cannabis venture capital firm or focused firm, uh, but also the author of the new book, Cannabis Capital, which really looks at the cannabis industry as a global industry and as an economy, not just a series of discrete vertical businesses. And just before the break, you were talking about and mentioning uh, you know, limited access to limited resources and the necessity of businesses to pivot on their path and how to will things into reality. I think any entrepreneur who's been through uh, not just one business, but many businesses, as I have, knows pivots are a necessary step. You, you have an ultimate goal, but how you get there, it isn't a straight line. And anybody who thinks it is, you know, also thinks that there's true overnight successes, not realizing there's 10 years or 20 years mm-hmm. that goes into creating an overnight sure. success. Um, and thousands, as you said, thousands of businesses fail yearly. And sometimes that happens. You know, a great business can fail because of factors outside of control. But a lot of times it, it really deals with focus. And what do you see with regards to you know, where do you see the average entrepreneur really needs to tighten up and focus more? Because people think focus means a lot of things, but what do you really mean by that? That an entrepreneur can take back and sit down and look at their business plan and look at their company and say, focus means this. Yeah, Richard, that's a great question. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. Uh, For us, because we see so many opportunities and speak with so many entrepreneurs on a daily basis, it tends to be articulated in two areas. One, the presentations that we receive. And when a presentation is overly uh, emphasizing market opportunity, that's generally a red flag for us or a point of caution to sort of understand you know, why the emphasis, right? I mean, we can all check the box that this is a massive opportunity. Um, Look, we believe that cannabis and cannabis derived products will be in every home period. And it is a, you know, global opportunity. Um, So with that as kind of table stakes for the conversation, it's a lot, okay, is this an exploration into, you know, a big number multiplied by another big number is a really big number, right? (laughs) In terms of your market opportunity, or is it actually a decision point where the management team are making decisions based upon as much information as they have on how to execute. So then the second element that it sort of manifests in is really being disciplined 
to not go chase every opportunity that's shiny and new because it, it, it seems like something that's worthwhile. Does that, you know, sort of resonate with you or is that a similar experience from your, or a similar perspective from your experience? It's very similar. And, you know, I, I don't know how many uh, um, investors in the market have complained to me in the last, especially in the last six months, they're tired of companies coming in front of them and saying, you know, this is a $250 billion market. That's great. We all know it's going to be huge and it's growing and, you know, we can argue if it's, you know, 50 million or 20 million or 30 million or what the growth is and what it's going to be this year versus next year and so on. We all know it's big, but what is the trivial market that each of these businesses is going after is the thing that I find investors want to know. And that's what we really speak to, you know, and focus. What, what is it? You're not just a cannabis company, but how are you different? Like we present, we're a B2B focused medical cannabis company that provides low cost supply to other companies so they can fulfill their customer demand. You know, we go through the fact, you know, we're producing at well under 20 cents a gram target and heading into the tens or not uh, below 10 cents, but we don't put a product on store shelves. We sell it to mm -hmm. companies who do that. And so that we make it possible for people to make standardized medicine. Now, that you know that's a long-winded way of saying it to me but the reality is that's very focused in terms of we're not trying to service the entire industry we're not trying to do a hundred different yeah. things we're trying to do one thing very well we're producing the raw material so everybody other companies can make the final product and it's you know the analogy is you know jr simplot produces potatoes for mcdonald's they don't do anything else and tyson mm -hmm. chicken create makes chicken for groceries and Kentucky Fried Chicken and the others and that's their focus and you know I think a lot of the companies in the space talk about all the amazing things they could do as opposed to the one thing they're going to do exceptionally well and I think you know from when I look at it and what you're saying that's something which a lot of entrepreneurs need to really take a step back and think about their business from the perspective of being exceptional though at one thing, not the hundred things they could do, because to mm -hmm. succeed in this business, you need to know how to do a hundred different things, but you need to have the focus on one and do it exceptionally well, or else you don't get anywhere. Yeah, I, I really like that, Richard. And, and I love the analogy of the potato manufacturer and, and McDonald's. I think that, you know, idea and opportunity do not a company make. Right. Yes. <laughs> so it, it would be the equivalent of the potato farmer saying, oh, and and I also want to uh, invest in uh, hospitality, real estate and flip burgers. Right. Yep. Like it, it, it doesn't always coexist. And in the most part, it doesn't um, actually coexist. And you're right. Entrepreneurs have to do a, a lot of things at the same time but they're typically within the organizational management of a single enterprise, not extending beyond their core competencies, right? So you have to be good at finance. You have to be good at human resources. People are everything, right? You've got to be good at hiring and, and getting rid of people when they don't fit and, and making sure that you're managing and leading the team. You have to be great at, you know, operations and logistics and supply chain. And you have to be the chief, you know, evangelist in the marketplace, chief revenue officer, you know, understand marketing. In, in this space, certainly uh, policy, regulatory over, oversight is really, really critical. So if you look at all those different 
disciplines, you know, that, that are typically not embedded within a single individual, the entrepreneur, unfortunately, has to be able to spread themselves across that. Then if you extrapolate that to saying, okay, I want to be able to be really good at growing a, a, a quality crop, and that's, you know, agriculture. Well, then I also want to be really good at, at distribution. Then I also really want to be good at consumer products. I also want to be good at retail. I, you know, all of a sudden you're starting to shift away from the core competency. That, that means things like vertical integration are, are you know, I've, I think that the, the sort of time has passed for that. It, it's really rare. I think that we'll see management teams that are able to, to successfully manage those m- multiple layers within the supply chain within one enterprise. But when you take sort of each of those steps and turn them into businesses in their own right, which sounds exactly like what you're doing on the supply side, you know, then you've got a, a really interesting story. Yeah, I, you know, it is very different. And, you know, there's a lot of businesses in the U.S., not so much internationally, that are that are stuck where they, they had to integrate vertically. And as you said, sure. I think the yeah. time's passed for that. Now, do you see that as an opportunity for new companies coming into the market that don't face that challenge? Or do you see that the likely migration is some of the large companies that were forced to be vertical are going to refocus themselves as quickly as they can into single areas and spin off the other areas of their business? And that from a focus perspective and a long-term viability perspective, how do you see that evolving? Yeah, uh, uh, that's an interesting question, and and one that's you know it, it, we don't have a really clear lens to that. Um, mm-hmm. I I really can't comment on what I think will happen with the large vertically integrated operators who are already you know there. I think there's some big companies that have a lot of market share now and have really good positions, and and they're they're in a good position. I, I would say that it would be difficult for us to get comfortable with investing in a company that wanted to go compete with that head on. Um, right. Cause I think there's a lot of beachheads sort of around that already. Uh, so, you know, we're most interested in understanding where there's entrepreneurs who are pulling out pieces of the supply chain, if you will, and saying, we're going to own this piece here and this is how we're going to do it really well and be successful at it. Um, I, I think that that fully, you know, vertically integrated model will probably the companies that will that will be getting funding and moving forward will look less and less like that. And in in my home state, uh, where I uh, where my business is based, you know, the state of Florida is not embracing vertical integration, for example. So I think there will also be the sort of a, regu- a regulatory piece to that that will largely drive how the businesses are being set up going forward. I agree fundamentally on that, and uh, it's just interesting to hear, you know, one more perspe- perspective about it because the breakup or the changes are going to be, I think, unique to, on a company by company basis. But the one thing you mentioned just a little bit earlier that I want to come back to again after the break is a bit about the team, and uh, as companies are building, you know, that's something which has to come into has to come into play, has to be resolved. But also the entrepreneur often has myopia and doesn't look to it in the same perspective as an investor. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a reality of life. Let's come back to that after the break. And uh, we'll be back with Ross O'Brien. And I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. Thanks for listening again. Back in a minute. All right. Do you need a drink of water or anything, Ross? And other than team, is there something you want me to 
drive on to in the last part of the segment. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. It's time to Hemp Present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots and close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwick with the Green Peak, and today we're rejoining with Ross Bryan, founder and CEO of Bonaventure Equity and author of Cannabis Capital. And before the break, we were talking about a, a number of different aspects of building a, a successful cannabis company and looking towards the future. One of the things we touched upon and really need to delve into deeply is the team. And it's not just how uh, investors look at the team. It's also how entrepreneurs need to map out how their team's going to grow over the next three years, two years, five years, what the needs are, and about really doing a very critical self-assessment of their own skills and where their limits are. But also, the entrepreneur needs to look at the investor. And what does the investor or group of investors bring to the table? Because you have investors who bring capital, and that's all they bring. But you have investors who bring perspective, connections, advice, strategy, all sorts of amazing uh, attributes, and sometimes also help you find key team members. And entrepreneurs often don't take the time to think about that. And Ross, as you've been working with companies, what do the ones who do it right do that the others don't? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you've teed it up perfectly. It's all about people, right? And 
whether it's investors, you're forming partnerships between management teams and, and investors, and you're in it for the long term, and rapport is important, and uh, collaboration is important. I think the, the entrepreneurs that we get the most excited about and we see characteristics right from the initial introductions and meetings are collaboration, flexibility, coachability, uh, and, and, in a, and a willingness to have tough conversations very quickly. Um, one of the, it all comes down to what happens when things go sideways, right? Or when things aren't going well, and how are you going to, um, how are you going to work together? And in those moments, the entrepreneurs that are willing to get in front of issues so there are no surprises and say, hey, this isn't going as planned or this was a mistake or whatever it might be, but here's how we're thinking about it. And here's how we're thinking that we can move forward from it. I mean, that's a much easier conversation than finding something out, uh, you know, after the fact. And I, and I would say that about diligence as well. Uh, when, when we get into a really deep dive in a company before we go to, uh, through our investment committee, um, you really don't want investors finding something out on their own. So it's much better to control the narrative and every company has a story and every company is different. So the more you, you know, are concerned about keeping things in the shadows, the more they could hurt the process. Um, so I think it's a lot about transparency, collaboration, alignment, and, and the ability to, to, to work together uh, when, when things are challenging. Yeah, and every business runs into challenges. Nobody should think just yeah. because it's going well today means that a month from now there won't be a problem. And, you know, I've gone through situations um, along the way where things happen and things you don't expect happen. And it's you try and solve the problem, but don't don't lie about them, right? Bring as soon as mm -hmm. you know and concretely know. It's not, you know, you can talk about hypotheticals with some, and you need to be able to know who you can have those hypotheticals, you know, what if something happens conversation. But when there's a tangible and material problem or there's a real risk of something happening, you need to start addressing it and having those conversations because the people who invest in you, they're not just investing in a company, they're investing in you and they're looking to help you find solutions. And they're looking I heard a great a position uh, of trust. Yeah, yeah, I love this. I read a great quote the other day. I wish I could say who it was. Um, and the quote was, "Integrity is your your integrity is your relationship to the truth." Right. So, so this this idea that integrity is aligned with how your your relationship with truth is something that's very very important. Uh, and I, it just resonated. I mean, I think that you know when 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 you have <laughs> when you have people that uh, aren't a good fit. Um, you've got to, you know, identify those issues right away and and be quick to make to make changes because there's nothing worse than somebody that doesn't have the same level of integrity as as you do as an entrepreneur or as a founder, um, and is working across purposes. That can be a death nail to a company, especially smaller organizations. Absolutely, and I think it also, you know, it even starts. I mean, integrity is goes without saying, but it also as you're talking and you're speaking the investor to the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur to the investor, you want the entrepreneur to be optimistic that they, they're going to build something great and amazing mm -hmm. and they're going to accomplish the goals, but you want them to be realistic in terms of here's a challenge, here's a problem and willing to listen to feedback about, Hey, you're doing this well, or you're not doing this well and understand it's not a criticism that they're trying to take you down. It's, 
actually they're trying yeah. to help you address that opportunity in a better way. And it's a adversarial relationship and it's not. And it shouldn't be. And I actually talk about this in the book specifically about uh, when you're you know, presenting to investors as the entrepreneur, it's really not about convincing them of your view of the world. It's understanding what their view of the world is and how you fit that. Right. So it's speaking into the perspectives of, of the, you know, the audience and, and disagreements will come up in everything. And, and a lot of times, one of the things that I do when I'm meeting companies and talking to them and evaluating their presentations, um, I may even, you know, challenge some assumptions, not necessarily because I'm looking for the right or wrong answer, but really looking for, well, what were the thought processes that went into this? And if it is being challenged, is this, an individual or a team that's willing to, you know, listen and and stand their ground when it's appropriately, but not, you know, be uh, indignant if it's something that needs to be evaluated further. Absolutely, and you know, unfortunately, Ross, we're out of time for today. But uh, I really would invite all, right. all of our listeners to read the book, to go get a copy of Thank Cannabis you. Capital. Ross, what are the, you know, I'm sure it's distributed through a lot of channels, but uh, do you have a preferred, you know? Where, where do you think people should find it most frequently? And if they want to learn sure. more about Bonaventure Equity, what website should they visit? Well, thank you. And I was hoping we wouldn't leave the interview with my last word being uh, indignant or something like that. <laughs> <leave> it on <laughs> a note. Um, so uh, the book is published by Entrepreneur Press, uh, Entrepreneur Media. Uh, so you can find it at entrepreneur.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, booksellers everywhere. Uh, my personal website is rossobrienvc.com. Uh, that will direct you there and blogs and this podcast will be posted there as well. Um, our fund can be found at B as in boy, B as in Victor equity.com. So bvequity.com. And I would uh, extend an invitation to all of your listeners uh, and, and, and your group to come and join us in Miami in April uh, on the 16th for our next cannabis dealmakers summit, uh, which is cannabisdealmakers.com, the event series that we host as well for the best and brightest in cannabis. Well, that's fantastic. I hope uh, listeners make that. I'd love to come. Uh, yeah. I'd love to have a further okay. conversation we'll with you along the way as well. Let's do it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for the time. Well, thank you to everybody for listening today. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak, and we look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? 
sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 